0: Thank you, Austin, for doing a wonderful job leading us in our singing. Thank you to all our brothers who have done a fantastic job leading us in our worship today. Please get your Bible out and go back to where our scripture reading came from this morning. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, please kind of park yourself at Ecclesiastes 2. I promise you we're going to read from that text in a few minutes from, from now. I want to begin this second sermon this morning i ask you a question that I hope you really take some time to process and ponder on for just a few seconds. And the question is this. The question that I want to know an answer to this morning is, are you happy? Are you happy? Are you truly happy right now in your life? I think that that is an important question for us to consider this morning. Because happiness seems to be the main thing that most people want in their lives. I mean, what did we do this past Monday? Well, this past Monday, Monday, we, we celebrated our independence as a nation, right? On July the 4th, we celebrated the day of our independence as a nation. Do you remember what our Declaration of Independence says? Remember, it says that one of our unalienable rights is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice how our Declaration of Independence says that we have a right to be happy. We have a right to pursue happiness. In fact, a lot of people attempt to pursue happiness in a variety of different ways. Some people try to find happiness through money. They try to find happiness by accumulating a lot of Possessions and stuff, homes, cars, gold, silver, big bank accounts. Other people try to find happiness in in education. They believe that happiness can be found in being very knowledgeable and smart and having other people have a lot of respect for you because you got a lot of degrees on your wall. And still other people try to find happiness in success. relationships they believe that happiness can be found in finding the perfect spouse or having perfect children or a perfect job or a perfect sports team or living somewhere where there's perfect weather and perfect traffic and there's perfect political ideology and please don't forget about finding that perfect church please don't forget about finding that church where Everything is done exactly the way I want it to be done. The sermons every single Sunday, they are exactly what I want them to be. The elders make decisions. They always fall in line with what exactly that I want. Everybody in the church behaves and does exactly what I want them to do. You see, for many people, they spend every moment of their lives trying to find happiness through these kinds of avenues, and eventually they have to realize that that pursuit is vain. It is futile. It always leads to a dead end. You see, while the pursuit of happiness is a quest that every person takes in their lives, sadly for the vast majority of people, they don't have it they never have it, they never find happiness. In a recent Harris poll that I found a few days ago, it found that less than a third of people in this country, the United States of America, say that they are happy. Less than a third. Less than a third of people in the most prosperous country maybe in the history of the world say that they are happy how can that be how in the world could that be possible how in the world could such a small percentage of people who have the unalienable right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness be so unhappy could it be Could it be that happiness has become so elusive and difficult to gain because we're trying to find it and pursue it in all the wrong places? Could it be that so many people never find happiness because they fail to understand that money and possessions and nice toys will not make us truly happy? They will not bring us lasting satisfaction. Do you know who Jim Carrey is? You know who Jim Carrey is? Jim Carrey is a Hollywood actor that's appeared in about 40 movies. He's very famous, and he has a net worth of about $200 million. He is a very wealthy man, and while we might be quick to assume that having that kind of wealth would have made him extremely happy, there was an occasion when he said, when he said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see, it's not the answer. It's not the answer. Translation? having a lot of money will make you truly happy having a net worth of 200 million dollars will not make you truly happy that is what jim carrey is saying here with this quote and while he is certainly not a righteous man who loves god and loves the bible we need to understand that what he says here is actually found in the bible This is actually a biblical statement. This is actually something that Solomon announced first 3000 years ago in the book of Ecclesiastes. Right. In Ecclesiastes, are you there in chapter two? Remember our scripture reading? We learned here from our scripture reading that Solomon, he had. So much stuff. He goes through a list of all of the worldly possessions that he had accumulated. And in verse 11, what does he say in verse 11? Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was no profit under the sun. Solomon says I had everything in all. It all was vanity. Doesn't that sound like Jim Carrey there? And then Solomon also said this in chapter five and verse number 10 In chapter five and verse 10. He says he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with his income. This too, this too is vanity. Notice how a man who had it all, he had it all. He had palaces. He had a lot of money. He had more money than Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos combined. He had gold. He had silver. He had chariots. He had slaves. He had every material possession that a person could desire and acquire in this life. And yet he says it all, it all is vanity. It all brings temporary pleasure. None of it brings lasting and permanent happiness. That's what Jim Carrey said. That's what Solomon said first. Solomon says all the treasures of this world don't bring lasting happiness and satisfaction. The reason why it doesn't is because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19 that all the stuff we get in this life, it gets old. And thieves can break in and steal it. It all eventually loses its luster. That new car, that new car that we buy, that has that nice new car smell. You know that new car smell I'm talking about, right? Oh, it's got that nice new car smell that we love so much. But eventually, what happens to that smell? It fades away. Eventually, it leaves. Eventually, it's replaced by smelly, sweaty kids and toys on the floor and McDonald's french fries all over the backseat, right? Cars. New cars. They eventually lose their luster, and so does big screen TVs. People who know me well know that I'm a sucker for big screen TVs. I love big screen TVs. And a few years ago, I was in Best Buy. Bought me a big screen TV, about 60 inches or so. And I went home, mounted it on the wall, was excited about the great picture it gave me for the fall of the football games that came on. But a few weeks later, you know where I found myself? I found myself in Best Buy again some kind of way. And to make it even worse, I'm near all the TVs again, and all of a sudden, my TV don't don't look so great anymore to me. Now all of a sudden, I don't want my TV anymore. Now I want that TV. I want that TV, because that one's a newer model, and it can do things that my little 60-inch TV at home can't do. And what about the iPhone? You got an iPhone. A lot of folks got iPhones. You get the iPhone 10, and then the next year you want to upgrade and get the iPhone 11. Then you get the iPhone 11, then the next year you want to upgrade and get the iPhone 12, you get the iPhone 12, then you want to upgrade the next year and get the iPhone 13, and then one day you get the iPhone 201, and you want the iPhone 202. You see, the people who make iPhones know that they're always going to be able to make a lot of money off of us because we're never going to be satisfied with our current model, and the same can be said about the money. You know, with high inflation, high gas prices, and a struggling stock market right now, we are experiencing firsthand how money quickly loses its purchasing power. We are experiencing firsthand how money is something that is here today, and it's, it's gone tomorrow. And Solomon told us that also. Remember in Proverbs 23? I'm going to Proverbs 23, and Solomon, a man who had a lot of money. He had a lot of money. And he said in Proverbs 23, verse number four, verse four, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heavens. Solomon told us this verse. He told us. He told us that money is something that's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's temporary. It loses value. We certainly can't take it with us when we die, right? We're never going to find true happiness if we're trying to pursue it through money. And we're also never going to find it if we try to pursue it through acquiring perfect circumstances. Perfect circumstances in life, trying to gain perfect circumstances in your life. is another pursuit that reaches a dead end because life in a world that is full of sin and wickedness, it will never be perfect. My dear friends, your life will never be perfect. The weather will never be perfect and exactly what you want it to be every single day. We're seeing that right now in the valley. We want some rain, don't we? The weather's not always going to be perfect. Our marriages are not always going to be perfect. Our spouse is not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Our kids are not going to be perfect. Our grandkids are not going to be perfect. They're all going to disappoint us from time to time. Our health may be good today, but because we live in a fleshly body that is aging and and getting weaker all the time, there's no guarantee that our health is going to be good tomorrow. Your favorite sports team may be winning a lot of games right now, but you just wait. Sooner or later, they're going to start losing. I wish Greg Nelson was here so I could tell him that about Alabama. Your car, your car will eventually need some new tires. Your appliances, they're one day gonna need to be replaced. Your dishwasher, your dish, your washer and dryer, your air conditioner, your water heater, people will hurt your feelings from time to time in this light, in this life, and they'll let you down, they'll stab you in the back. Isn't that exactly what happened with Jesus? While Jesus was sinless and he was perfect in every sense of the word, he did not experience. Perfect circumstances while he lived on this earth. He experienced hunger at times, did he? Didn't he? He was disappointed and frustrated with people. He had people who were close to him stab him in his back, betray him. He was persecuted, mocked, ridiculed, even murdered by evil men. Jesus went through all that stuff during his. Small amount of time on this earth, and if Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, someone who knows everything about everything, if He didn't have perfect circumstances while He lived on this earth, what makes us think our lives are going to be any different? What makes us think that the sun's going to be shining for us every single day? What makes us think that every single day the weather is going to be perfect and people are going to treat us perfect and nothing's ever going to break down and need to be replaced and nothing bad will ever happen to us? Where did God ever promise us that in his word? We'll never find happiness if we seek it through money and possessions and through trying to desire perfect circumstances in our lives. And we'll also never find happiness through an immoral and undisciplined life. An immoral and undisciplined life. When I say immoral and undisciplined life, well, simply put, what I'm talking about is a life of sin. I'm talking about a life of wickedness and rebellion against God. I'm talking about a life that lives by the mantra, since God wants me to be happy, then that means he's okay with me doing anything I want to do. That's what I'm talking about with this language. God is okay with me abandoning my spouse, And the burdens and the hassles that are found with raising kids because he wants me to be happy. God is okay with me putting whatever I want to in my body so I can relax after a long and stressful day at work. He's okay with that because he wants me to be happy. He's okay with me lying and cheating my way through life and being sexually promiscuous. God's okay with that because he wants me to be happy. On your Bible, please, to Judges chapter 21. The last verse of the book of Judges, you remember how there was a time when God's very own people lived with that kind of attitude. They lived a life of sin and rebellion, doing whatever they want to do. Judges chapter 21, in verse number 25. In verse 25, it says, In those days, there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Question They're living by that philosophy. did did it make the people of Israel's lives better? Were their lives better because of that? Did this kind of life result in blessing and peace? Were they better off living this kind of way instead of living a life to the glory and will of God? You and I both know that their lives went better because of this. You and I both know that this, this led to suffering and all kinds of problems, and the same is true today living a life of immorality and being undisciplined and rebelling against God doesn't make our lives any better all it does is bring emptiness and guilt and all kinds of physical and spiritual problems into our lives it hurts us and it hurts other people we'll never be happy living in an immoral and undisciplined life and we'll also never be happy trying to get our way Trying to get our way all the time. Let's just be honest. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want their way? Who doesn't want their way about everything? Who doesn't want their way on the job? Who doesn't want their way in their family? Who doesn't want their way in the church? Everybody, if they're being honest about it, wants their way. The problem is we're not always going to get our way. We're not always going to get our way on the job. We're not always going to get our way in our family. We're not always going to get our way in the church. If we don't come to accept that reality quick, fast, in a hurry, not only are we going to be miserable all the time, but guess what else we're going to do? We're going to make the people around us miserable all the time. We're going to make them not be able to stand us. We're going to come across as selfish and childish and immature and not very Christ-like. And so let's be clear. Let's be clear. Happiness, if we're trying to find happiness and these kinds of things right here, I'm just going to tell you, you're never going to find it. Never going to be satisfied at one point or another. We're going to have to realize that this thing, this main thing that we are pursuing, we're pursuing it in all the wrong places. And so the question is now, where do we where do we find it? Where do we find the most elusive prize that everybody is seeking today? Where do we find happiness? Where do we find peace? Where do we find real satisfaction? Well, before we close, can I quickly give you you five things? I want to give you five places. I want to give you five very specific areas where you can find the one thing that few people seem to gain. Maybe you want to jot these things down, stick them in your Bible and just look at them and rehearse them. Whenever you're going through discouraging times in your life, where do we find real happiness? Well, how about we start with this? How about we start with what we talked about this morning? How about we understand that if we're going to find real happiness in our lives? Then we got to start with choosing. And I want to emphasize the word choosing this morning. Happiness is a choice. We have to choose to be happy and we got to choose to be happy by doing the things that God has told us to do. We need to start by choosing to connect with God. We got to choose to seek God. We got to choose to know God. This is one of the great truths that is announced all throughout the Bible. In Romans, the 14th chapter, and in verse number 17, in Romans 14 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You put that in what you find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, where the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace you put that what you find in philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 where the apostle paul writes the letter of philippians from a roman jail cell because he's being persecuted for preaching the gospel and yet he says rejoice in the lord always again i will say to you rejoice notice very carefully what all these verses are telling us notice very carefully how god does want his people to be happy God wants Christians to be happy. God does want Christians to experience joy and cheerfulness. He doesn't want them walking around looking like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh all the time. He doesn't want them to always be sad and down and make an impression to the world that Christianity just sucks all the joy out of your body. God doesn't want that for his people. God wants his people to have joy. God wants his people to be happy. In fact, the main reason, the main reason why so many people are not happy in their lives is because they're trying to acquire it without God. They're trying to acquire it without fulfilling their true purpose in life, which is to know God and honor God and glorify God and do his will. This is why the psalmist says in Psalm 1 and verse number 1, How blessed, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Happiness is not found in rebelling against God and rebelling against his instructions. It's found in serving God. You go to Proverbs 29 and verse 18, and the Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. The truly happy person is the person who knows God and submits to God's law. You then go to Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. We read this verse this morning where Solomon reaches the end of his quest for happiness and peace and satisfaction in life. And he realizes it's not not found in money. It's not found in having a lot of stuff, gold and silver and servants and, and chariots and palaces. Instead, he says, when all has been heard, Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. Solomon is saying happiness, true happiness is found in serving God. And then in Galatians 5 and verse number 22, the Bible says the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the produce that will come into your life once you submit to the teachings of the Holy Spirit, which is found in the Bible, the fruit of the spirit is love. And it is joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. My dear friends, until we fully get on board with what these verses are saying, we will never truly be happy. We will never truly be satisfied in our lives until we understand that the purpose of our lives is not to do whatever we want to do unrestrained, but instead it is to connect with our creator through his word and serve him and love him and honor him. Until we understand that and get sold on that, we will never be happy. You see, no person can ever expect to truly be happy in their lives. If, if they're not fulfilling their main purpose in life. No person can ever expect to be truly happy in their lives apart from the source of happiness who is God. You can have all the money and stuff in this world you could ha- you could be really smart and have a bunch of degrees on your wall. You could be very powerful and influential you on your job. You could have a great family and a promising future. You could have all that stuff and so much more. But listen carefully. If you don't have God, you have nothing. You have nothing. You have nothing of any real value. You have nothing to lean on and help you get through the dark days in your life. You have nothing to tell you the truth of your origin and of your value in life. You have nothing to give you real direction. You have nothing to truly motivate you to live right and to a a concrete moral standard. If you don't take anything else away from this lesson this morning, please take away that happiness found in God it is found in Jesus Christ if you want to find happiness then you better start right there you better start with connecting to God choosing to connect with God and after you choose to connect with God then choose to connect with others choose to serve others choose to do good in the lives of other people choose to be like Jesus Christ I'm reminded of what Peter said when he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, to the household of Cornelius. He talked about Jesus and he told them, you know, of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about. Look at it now. He went about doing good notice and healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Jesus dedicated his life to doing good in the lives of other people. And so the apostle Paul would say. In Acts 20, verse number 35, as he talked to the Ephesian elders, he said, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of Jesus. Now, these words are not found anywhere in the Gospels, but Jesus clearly said them at some point. And he said, remember the words of Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is something that is found throughout the Old Testament. In Psalm 41, verse number 1, the psalmist says, How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. And Proverbs 14 in verse number 21, it says, He who despises his neighbor's sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Do you see what these verses are telling us this morning? Do you see how according to the Bible, happiness is not found in being selfish? It's not found in being self-centered. It's not found in trying to get our way all the time and bullying other people and trying to get other people to focus on us and our needs and our wants and our desires. No, the Bible says that real happiness is found in seeking to do good in the lives of other people. It is found in helping people. It is found in being a giver. It is found in being like Jesus Christ. This is something that we probably didn't even need the Bible to tell us. This is a fact that many of you probably know firsthand. Let me ask you something. How do you feel? How do you feel when you do something kind for a widow in this church? How do you feel when you invite someone who doesn't have a family into your home to celebrate a holiday with your family? How do you feel when you write a card to someone who's grieving? or sit in a hospital waiting room to encourage a family? How do you feel when you pray for somebody? How do you feel when you share the gospel with somebody, especially if it's for the first time? Do you feel happy? Do you feel some joy in your heart? Do you feel some some satisfaction that is indescribable? Do you feel a lot better about yourself and about your priorities in life? If you do, then please understand, that feeling came from god that came from obeying the word of god that came from being like your master jesus christ if you want to find happiness begin with god and then move on to connecting with other people choosing to do good in the lives of others and then choose to count your blessings count your blessings i'm i'm going to colossians colossians chapter 3 Brother Mike made reference to this this morning, even in, in, in his in his talk before the collection. And I really appreciate that. And I'm going to Colossians chapter three to add on to what he said in verse number 15. In verse number 15, where the Apostle Paul, keep in mind, he's writing this from a Roman jail cell for preaching the gospel. And yet he still says in verse 15, that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. You know, we sing a song. We sing a song that tells us to do this, don't we? Don't y'all look scared. I'm not going to sing it, okay? I'm not, I'm not, you can relax. I'm not going to sing it, but you, you know the words. You know what it says. Count your many blessings, then what? Name them one by one. We need to do that. We need to do that all the time. Instead of griping and complaining and desiring more and more, what we need to do every single day is just pause multiple times throughout the day and just count our blessings. Let's count our blessings. Let's thank God for what he has done and for what he is doing in our lives. Look, I understand, and believe me, I get frustrated by this. I understand that gas prices are extremely high right now, but we need to thank God that we at least got a car and put some gas in. I know that paying taxes isn't a pleasant experience at all, but we still need to thank God because you know what that means? If I'm paying taxes, that means I got a job. To take care of my family. I know that food prices are rising due to inflation. But we still need to thank God that we're not missing any meals, are we? I know my country has all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. It's getting, it's getting further and further away from God. But we still need to thank God that we live here. And not in not some other places in the world that are much worse right now. You see, when we stop and just consider the big scheme of life, you know, we're going to find God is so good to us. God is so good to us. He is blessing us all the time. And if we want to find happiness, we need to learn to be content. And we need to learn to choose to count our blessings. And then after we do that, we need to choose to trust him. We need to choose to trust God and not in ourselves. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, you know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. A similar verse, Proverbs sixteen twenty, Where the Bible says, Blessed is he who trust in the Lord. And then go in your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, again, as the Apostle Paul is writing this from a Roman jail cell. These are all letters he wrote while in prison for preaching the gospel. And yet in Philippians 4 and verse 6, what does he say? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So often we need to be reminded of what these verses are saying. So often we need to be reminded of our need to put our trust in God and depend on God. We need to be reminded of this because so much in life is beyond our control, isn't it? The stock market is beyond our control. The weather is beyond our control. The choices that other people make in their lives, that's beyond our control. When we're going to die, that's beyond our control. There's so many things in life beyond our control. But when we choose to put our trust in God, guess what? We don't have to worry about that stuff. We don't have to worry about the stuff beyond our control. We can live our lives every single day knowing that God is powerful and he loves us and he's watching out for us. And we pray to him and seek his help. He will always do what's in our best interest. We can also live our lives knowing that because he loves us. And because he cares about us. Every instruction he gives us in his Bible, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, it's got love behind it. It's there for a reason. It's coming from somebody who knows everything about everything, and if we do what he says, we'll stay out of trouble and we'll stay on that narrow path. They'll get us, they'll get us to eternal life. You see, while life in this world will never be perfect, when we put our trust in God, we have a source of peace. We have a rock. We have a shield. We have a source to put confidence in because we know we are serving someone who is bigger than any problem we have in our lives. And so choose to trust God. And then finally, choose to think about heaven. If you want to be happy, if you want to find happiness, choose to think about heaven all the time. In Luke chapter 10, that should say Luke 10. I apologize. Luke ten twenty. Jesus told his disciples, rejoice, be happy that your names have been recorded in heaven. That needs to make us happy. You go to John 14 and verse 2. When before leaving his apostles to go die on the cross, Jesus comforted them with these words. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. And then. Go to one more place with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. And listen to what Jesus says in verse number 19 in Matthew, the sixth chapter. And in verse number 19, Jesus said these words. He said, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasury is, that your heart will be also. Notice how Jesus says that heaven needs to be our main focus. Heaven needs to be the goal. Heaven is the place that should be on our minds all the time. I wonder if most people's unhappiness comes from a failure to do this. I wonder if the reason why so many people, even so many Christians, are so unhappy in their lives is because they are consumed with a world that has so much unhappiness and so much disappointment they fail to realize that true happiness is never going to be found in a world like this it's never going to be found in a world that is temporary and full of violence and hatred and car accidents and plane crashes and natural disasters and pain and sorrow and even death so many people fail to understand that if you want to escape that kind of stuff and you got to serve God and you got to love God and you got to trust God and you got to have faith in God and ultimately you got to go to heaven to be with God the reason why so many people are unhappy in their lives is because they're trying to find happiness they're pursuing happiness in all the wrong places they're pursuing happiness in things that are apart from God and the things of God. But I hope and pray that this sermon will encourage us to do better. I hope and pray that this lesson will help us understand that God does want us to be happy. He does want us to have joy, and he even tells us exactly how to acquire that in our lives. In fact, beyond being happy, the main thing God wants is for us to be holy. God wants us to be holy above anything else. And so I want to close by asking you, are you holy? Are you holy before the Lord God? If you're not holy, then you can never be put on the path to true happiness. If you're not holy, then you cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot be pleasing to God. And so if we can help you become holy today by obeying the gospel. Then we'd be more than happy to do that. Whether it's take your confession that you believe in Jesus Christ and you're ready to repent and turn away from sin and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Or if you're a Christian that's living a life of unhappiness because you know that you're not living according to the purpose God has for you as a new creature. If you need our prayers and if you're ready to repent, we'll be more than happy to pray with you and pray for you this morning. Any spiritual needs you may have.